Hi friends, welcome to the Kansas City MomCast, a place to learn, connect, and grow in a relevant and intentional way. We're your hosts, Sarah and Megan. Join us as we interview experts in the field and hear from local moms just like you. This is a podcast for Kansas City moms by Kansas City moms. We know that your time is precious and we're grateful you've chosen to spend some of it with us. Thank you for being a part of the Kansas City Mom Collective community. We're here today to talk about RSV. RSV can be dangerous for infants and young children, and each year in the United States, about 80,000 children younger than five years are hospitalized due to RSV infection. It's also the leading cause of hospitalizations among children less than one years old. Today, we're chatting with Dr. Gabriel Schiffman, a pediatric emergency room physician and medical director of the pediatric ER at Overland Park Regional Medical Center, which is a part of HCA Midwest Health about a new shot that can help reduce the risk of RSV in infants. Let's get started. Okay, welcome Dr. Schiffman. We're glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, so we're entering into RSV season again. Yes, we are. Last year was a doozy. I had a baby right then. She just celebrated her first birthday and it was really scary. Yeah, my firstborn was the same, born in January, and we had a scare with RSV as well. So it's it's too common, sadly. Yes. Um, so can you, for those listening who maybe aren't as familiar, kind of just give us the overview of RSV and who is at risk? Of course. So RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus. It kind of is a handful or mouthful, so that's why we call it RSV for short. Um, it is a lower respiratory disease, which means it affects the lungs and all of the... Um, all the smaller vessels or the smaller airway structures in the lungs. Um, It looks like a cold. Um, It can be cough, congestion, runny nose, low-grade fevers, sometimes even higher fevers. Um, And everyone is uh, is susceptible to it. Um, It is a common cold and it's spread um, as colds are spread. The problem is, is as it's in the lower portion of our airway and our lungs, those who are um, at more risk for severe disease process Um, is what we have to be cautious for. So the younger kids, the older adults over 65, anyone with any other chronic medical problems, immunocompromised states, anyone who is just kind of at risk for any of these types of um, viruses can be more at risk for worsening of these these symptoms. Um, So it can just be a common cold, but this common cold can become much worse and cause difficulty breathing. um, And those are the ones who need to get medical attention um, because they need supportive care. And it's just spread just like a common cold would be, so easy to pick up at daycare or anywhere. Absolutely. Daycare is notorious for it. Um, If you've got older kids who are in school and they're coming back home um, and spraying it to the younger infants, um, that's it's very common. It's spread by direct contact, so by sneezing, by coughing, by touching your mucous membranes and touching someone else, it's spread like that. So it's highly contagious. And, it's, and it always kind of peaks around the fall, winter months. There are exceptions to the rule um, after COVID, but primarily it is a fall, winter um, event. That's also when school is back in session, when people are, you know, back indoors, um, kind of staying, trying to stay warm. So all that close contact is wonderful to spread that disease. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you think your child might 
have um, contracted RSV, when does it get to the point where you need extra help and you should be heading to the ER? So that's a question that every mom or dad or any caregiver should decide on their own. Um, You know, most of these are just colds, and I would never advise anyone to bring a child in for a cold to the emergency department. Um, By bringing their child into the emergency department, not an emergent situation, sets them up for more exposure to new things, you know, sets up the parents for exposure to new things. So only if the patient is in distress, if the family thinks that the child is working hard to breathe, is having um, any kind of cyanosis or blueness around the lips, um, the face, the body, um, is really struggling to be like almost like panting. So if they're breathing more than 60 breaths per minute, and that you can you know that if your belly is breathing faster than the seconds on your clock is ticking, that it's too fast. Um, if they're breathing so hard, they're not able to keep feeding properly. So whether it be bottle or breastfeeding, they can't keep up because they're just too tired because they're breathing too hard. Mm-hmm. All those are kind of red flags that should alert a parent or, or caregiver to bring the child into the emergency department. It's truly if they're in distress is the most important thing to know. Got it. So then when a parent decides they do need to bring their child in, what is the treatment that you do in the ER? So it is a viral infection and there is no cure truly for a viral infection. It's more what we call supportive care. So these kids who are in distress need um, supportive care, which includes oxygenation. So supplemental oxygenation. So we may put a nasal cannula into their nose to help them breathe. Um, We can put a face mask on, which is a supplemental oxygen for that. Um, There's other more direct ventilation. So there's, there's something called CPAP or BiPAP. Um, there's high flow nasal cannulas. And the worst thing is intubation. So we actually put a tube down and help breathe for them on a ventilator. It is temporary. All this stuff is temporary. We just have to support the child and give them the oxygenation and the ventilation that they need until the virus runs its course and goes away on its own. Okay. Um, also, sometimes because these kids are working so hard to breathe, they're not eating and drinking as, as well as they should. So we may supplement that with IV fluids too. It's more supportive care, um, which includes oxygen, suction, and fluids. Okay. So the exciting news, I guess, as we look towards the season is that um, the FDA just approved a new option to help protect babies from RSV that we haven't had before. Um, can you talk about this development? Of course. We're, we're excited. I'm excited because I hope it makes a difference. I hope that families um, take advantage of this of this new product. It's called um, Nirsevimab. It's, again, a handful. Um, and um, it's a monoclonal antibody. So it's not a vaccine. It is a shot, but it's not a vaccine. Um, it is kind of a form of passive immunity. So it, it already has ready-made antibodies in the medication. And when given to a child and the CDC recommends that every child under the age of eight months receive it um, this year before the RSV season starts, um, the design is that this um, ready-made antibody will bind to the RSV and prevent infection. And if if it does prevent infection, wonderful. And even if the kid gets sick, um, the antibodies that are there will help prevent severe disease. So the design is to A, stop the virus from even becoming an issue and B, requiring um, hospitalization for worsening of, of the RSV. So we're, I'm excited. I mean, we see so much RSV every year. Um, tons of kids who are in an absolute distress who need immediate emergency, emergency intervention. Um, a lot are hospitalized into our ICU. Um, so if we can get those not even into the ER, it would make 
my job obviously easier, but also would help the the kids of the community as well. So I'm I'm very excited about it. That is exciting. Um, and can you talk about? I know that some older infants, maybe who might be going through their second RSV season, are also eligible. Correct. So Nusevimab um, is also recommended for kids um, between eight months and 24 months of age, but those aren't recommended for everyone. Um, it's um, dependent on if they're at higher risk. So if they're premature, if they have an underlying medical problem. Um, so if if you've gotten your first one, it's always good to ask your doctor for the next season, Am I, is my child eligible for the next season? So that would be before their second birthday. Um, so it, it, it is recommended, but it's got a little bit more criteria for those kids. Um, the important thing to know is everyone under the age of eight months, it is recommended for, for, for the first year. So that's a good thing. And older kids can get RSV. It just isn't as dangerous. Correct. Correct. So as, as we get older, our airways get bigger, um, our musculature is stronger. So we, it just kind of serves as a cold. I mean, there is, you know, that one in who knows, a couple thousand that you do get a sick older kid, but it's extremely rare just because we're stronger and bigger as we get older and the RSV doesn't wreak as much havoc as it does for the little ones and the super old ones. Got it. Yep. So what else, other than this new shot, um, is available to help treat or protect kids from severe disease? So before um, this this new FDA approval, we've always had well not always, but we've had synergist for a long time, and that's another anaclonal mono, an, monoclonal antibody. <laughs> I'll switch that up, monoclonal antibody. Um, so same kind of uh, medication where it is a passive immunity; it gives um, antibodies. Um, and synergist was only recommended for kids under the age of 24 months who have certain conditions that put them at high risk. So um, it's the immunocompromised, it's the premature infants. And these kids, it's a strict criteria. You have to talk to your doctor about you know who qualifies for this. But most of these kids get them when they're in the NICU, and then they have to get the shot every month during RSV season for the first two years. So it's it's still does its job. The nice thing about this new medication, it's a one and done as opposed to one every month and only for certain kids. So this is much more, the new one is much more broad and hopefully will cover the duration of the RC season and prevent illness from these, from any, any kid, not just the, the weakest or the, the most vulnerable children. Okay. And so I think as we've all become, you know, in the last three years, more aware of how vaccines or medicines are developed, mm-hmm. um, do you think, think parents should feel confident in the safety of this new shot? A hundred percent. I think that without a doubt, <clears throat> if you have a child, pardon me, <clears throat> under the age of eight months, um, they should get this, uh, this, um, the shot. Um, the consequences, the, what I see in the emergency department daily basis between the fall and, and, and winter months from RSV is not worth it. Um, there's been tons of research. There's been years of development um, to get this on the market. Um, it is safe. Nothing in it is new. Um, it's just kind of a reformulated thing that we've been doing for years. Um, and I think the consequences of not doing it and being fearful um, can be life-threatening. I mean, people from RSV, kids from RSV do die. It's not just, um, you know, a simple cold. It, it can wreak a lot of havoc and difficulty breathing is um, always a scare for the families. It's a scare for us in the emergency department. Um, so without a doubt, if I had a kid under the age of eight months, they'd be, or I'd already be making the phone calls to my pediatrician to get that shot. So, yes. And so 
speaking of scary, it was pretty scary last season. You know, we saw RSV pretty early. I think we talked with you, um, you know, and saying even maybe pull your kid out of daycare, stay home, like when it's going to be scary, you know, because it's just not worth it. I know. What do you expect going into this year? Is there any way to predict how RSV might behave? I wish I had an answer. I don't have a way to predict it. Um, I think that if with the new tools that we have with with the new um, with the new shot and with just education, my hope is that everyone out there knows about RSV, knows about how it's spread, um, and then limit your your spread. So l- limit your children from other kids who may have colds or cold-like symptoms. If you or your child has colds or cold-like symptoms, stay away from other people. It's kind of like, not that I want to go back to the COVID days, but it's one of those things where we have to be good for the community. And if your child is sick or if you are sick, stay away from other kids because that's what happens as people get out there and and carry on with their lives. And I understand that we have to, but, and they, they spread this virus and um, it's not without consequence. So I wish I had an answer as to if it's going to be intense. I think if we can do our due diligence and, you know, do what's right for the community. I would hope that it'd be less than severe, but again, it's all based on what the virus does and what we as a community, you know, do for each other. So I know kind of continuing on that prevention um, note, if you have older kids and it's just a, just a cold, um, how do you know, like what, what would be the action steps you would take if that was your family and your older kid comes home with a cold? What do you do? So you don't, you don't know. And in, and whether your older kid has RSV or flu or COVID or paraflu or rhinovirus, the list goes on and on. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's important to know. And, and they're not going to have those symptoms like a little, like an infant would. Right. Um, as severe. So if anyone has any kind of sniffles, sore throats, fever over 100.4, they should avoid direct contact with the infant. Um, or anyone who's even compromised at home. Um, so, you know, no kissing on the face, wash your hands, cover your your nose and mouth when you're coughing, um, and uh, and staying in different rooms. I mean, if if you if I got a teenage son who comes home from school and is, you know, looks miserable, has a fever, coughing, sneezing, sore throat, they're not gonna be around my newborn infant. They're gonna say, you're gonna you're gonna stay in your own room. I'll bring you, you know, chicken noodle soup and Gatorade. Um, you're not coming out of that room until you're better, um, because it's it's he'll be fine. The older one will be fine. Um, you know, yeah. nine times out of ten, it's the little ones that have to be um, careful. So just avoid exposure um, if you have any. Well, that, that's with parents as well. So you know, if you can if you can do it, I understand that being a parent is a lot harder than putting your teenage son into a room. Uh-huh. But if you're a parent and you're under the weather, um, just kind of be mindful of of your contact with the little one. And, you know, do you wear a mask? Do you wear a mask? Do you get help from family members or friends? All that can has to be kind of uh, considered if you're under the weather. And then how about if they're in daycare or a setting like that where? Yeah, well, it's it's tougher. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. So if you've got, you know, a four-year-old who's in daycare and they come home, I mean, that's it. daycares are just breeding grounds for this stuff just mm-hmm. because they're just all over the place. They're licking everything. They're touching everything. Um, and they're in close contact. So if, a, if the older kid comes home and is having sniffles as any kind of, um, you know, fever over 100.4, again, they should be separated from, from the infant as well. And, you know, I wouldn't have them interacting with the infant. I wouldn't have them changing diapers or helping, you know, hold or, you know, 
kiss on them, I'd just keep them separate for the duration, which is about a week. It's I mean, it's five to seven days, not a huge time yeah. um, that you're contagious. So I would try the best you can to have anyone who has any symptoms of respiratory illness away from the most vulnerable kiddos. Yeah, and if your infant's in daycare, you guys just have to trust other parents yeah, that are doing their job. Yeah, Correct. You have to see what happens. Um, I mean, it's 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 pretty much inevitable. I mean, daycares all every single. I mean, we're already seeing stuff now. Um, a lot of respiratory stuff now that school's been back in session for about a week or so, um, mm-hmm. and daycares are you know running full speed now. Um, we're seeing a lot of kids with respiratory stuff, not sick sick, but just colds, um, and a lot of them are daycare. So it just it's. It's kind of, you know, what's expected um, with daycare. It's not, it's as long as your kid gets through it, and most really do, it does build immunity. Daycare is not a bad thing. Um, you know, getting kids sick builds their immunity so they are, their bodies know how to fight infections for next time. Right. Um, the more illnesses that the kids get in daycare and early childhood, the more they'll be prepared for when they start kindergarten and on because they'll have already had all the colds um, and their bodies will, will be, you know, fighting machines for those future viral infection. So daycares aren't all bad. I mean, I, I think that they're obviously essential and they do build the immune system. It's just unfortunate that some of these little ones do have to kind of wreak the havoc of, of right. the daycare situation. Yeah. Um, so RSV also affects older people. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so if we want our grandparents and older relatives um, to stay healthy too, other than limiting contact if we're sick, what else? Um, is available to them. So they're also available for some of these uh, monoclonal antibodies. So I would have all of the, um, anyone over 65 talk to their doctor before the start of the season, which is pretty much now, um, and see if they're eligible for um, for the shot as well. Um, I know my my parents get it. My parents, you know, updated all of their DTaP vaccinations before the birth of our children. It's just kind of a smart thing to do. As we get older, our um, immunity wanes from these vaccines and um, other other therapeutics. Um, so it's always good to talk to your doctor, especially if you have a newborn in the family um, coming into these winter months to get everything that you can um, in terms of medications and injections uh, to prevent the spread. Because, you know, I, I think I'm not a grandparent, obviously, yet. I will be on hopefully someday. But I think it'd be the worst if I got my brand new grandson sick and I knew I could have done something to prevent that. I think that's you know, that's, it would be horrible. So I think that I would encourage everyone who's over, over this, over the 65 years of age to talk to their doctor about what can I do to prepare for the season, especially if you have a newborn um, or someone who's um, at higher risk in the home. Okay. Great. Um, anything last thoughts? No, just stay safe out there. <laughs> we don't know. Luck, I, mean, I hope that your fall is less hectic than last year. I, I hope so too. I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, <laughs> but you never know, and and I'll I'll be working regardless. So yeah, <laughs> comes well, what you need. exciting to have new tools too. It, absolutely, I'm very excited. When I when I heard the news, I was very excited. I just hope that people, you know, heed the recommendations, listen to their primary care doctors, and do what's best for for this situation. But I think it's I think it's a, a, a great opportunity that we have in front of us to to help prevent um, high risk and um, worsening disease. Right. Well, thank you, Dr. Schiffman, as always. It's great to talk to you and have you help educate the mom community. Of course. It's always my pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) 
When your child is sick or injured, trust the expertise of the Pediatric Center at Overland Park Regional Medical Center to get them back to being a kid again. To find a pediatric specialist or learn more about the pediatric ER, visit hcamidwest.com slash pediatrics. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us. We would love for you to share this podcast with other Kansas City moms, as well as rate and review, as this helps others find us. We would also love to hear from you, whether it's to share what you loved about today's episode, an idea for a future topic, or just to tell us how you're doing. We are here for you. You can email us anytime at kcncpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time on another episode of Kansas City Momcast.